Hey, Bible students, my name is Keaton Pierce, and I'm your host here on The Curious Christian. Welcome back to another episode of The Curious Christian. I'm your host, Keaton Pierce. We're going to discuss a topic today that is far and away the most requested question that I've gotten within the last couple months, and certainly over the last couple years, uh, as a full-time minister myself, I see this come across my desk uh, certainly every couple weeks, if not weekly, in some form or fashion, which is, what does the Bible say about women serving as ministers, um, serving in ministry? And again, there's probably no more hotly debated topic in the church today um, than, than women serving as ministers. Uh, you know, we, we begin to look, and, and this is really not a discussion of men versus women. Um, this is much more a discussion of what does Scripture say with regards to this particular thing? Because again, you look through New Testament Scripture and you see uh, a, a lot of examples where women played an instrumental role. And certainly if you examine the Bible as a whole, Old Testament and New, you find women that were instrumental, I, I mean, just critical to uh, the, the continuation of, of God's plan of the Israelites in the Old Testament, uh, the church in the New. Um, you know, again, I, I think through people like Phoebe in the New Testament that we're just uh, told was an incredible servant that helped the church grow. I think back to the Old Testament, and you know, you think of uh, folks like Esther, you think of Ruth, you think of uh, Rahab even. I mean, they played instrumental roles. Now, could you say, well, if they weren't there, would, would, would God's plan and will still be able to be accomplished? Well, sure, but these were the people that God utilized. You know, Esther saved all of the Jewish people. I mean, they were they were on the brink of, of annihilation, and, and she helped with that. Ruth, this beautiful story of her coming, and I mean, she is, she is a foreigner that marries a man named Boaz, and through their lineage ultimately gives us Christ. Um, you know, we, we know Rahab was instrumental in, in Jericho, the, the, the Battle of Jericho and things like this. So we see some incredible examples of, of women in the Old Testament. That's not our discussion today. Our discussion is, can women serve in ministry? So we're going to begin to look, um, and again, this is not a matter of discrimination. This is not a matter of, of any of that. This is purely a biblical interpretation topic. Um, if we begin to look in Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and that's kind of where a lot of these discussions begin, and, and rightfully so, 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12 says, A woman should learn in, in quiet and in full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. Now, there's a lot of people that don't like that verse, and you know I, I understand that. Um, but we have to we have to wrestle with that. Uh, you know, again, you you can assert a lot of things of well, this is what Paul meant when he was writing to Timothy. This is what, um, and, and we're going to talk about that some. Here's how we're interpreting this. But we have to handle this verse. We cannot just set something so clear, seemingly clearly laid out uh, aside. Um, we we have to address this in the church. God assigns different roles to men and women. And again, this is not a matter of of differentiation in a bad way. This is God placing a high priority on men and women. From the very beginning, God made Adam, he made Eve, they had different roles, Um, they were equally loved by God, they were equally cherished, um, but they were different, right? Uh, So we begin to look, and, and God assigned different roles to men and women, and this really dates back even to Adam and Eve, if you want to think of it that way. God, through Paul, restricts women from serving in roles of teaching or having any spiritual authority over a man. Now, 
again, we, we could we could talk a long time about well, what constitutes having authority? Where do we draw that line? And and I think that's where a lot of the division has come over this topic over the years. Um, but it seems, at least if we're taking it on the surface value, that this precludes women from serving as ministers over men. Because you think about the the role of most ministers. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll add some caveats to this. Um, this is not to say that women aren't to serve in the church. This is not to say that women can't be paid staff. This is not even to say that women can't be ministers in some regards, and we'll, we'll try to help define that in a bit. Um, but but when we look at the definition of what it means to to minister, um, certainly pulpit ministry, full to, you know that kind of ministry, um, it includes a pre- teaching, uh, public preaching, um, you know spiritual guidance, spiritual authority. Um, certainly the elders you know play a role in that as well. But but the minister is a is a central part of moving that train. And if we are to understand First Timothy two correctly, then it's going to be impossible for for a woman to exercise some of those duties to to have that authority over a man. Now, are there duties within church that a woman could be involved in ministry and not usurp authority over a man? Absolutely, um, I can I can think of quite a few. Uh, you know, I know of churches that have women on staff in um, tech roles, in uh, children's ministry roles. Uh, certainly, and I know of a few men that do this too, but 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 secretary, admin type stuff. Um, so that's not to say that women aren't involved in ministry, but public pulpit ministry, teaching ministry. First uh, Timothy two seems to point against that idea. You know, there's there's many objections to to this view of women in, in, in traditional ministry, and I understand that. One common one is that Paul restricts women from teaching because in the first century, women were typically uneducated. And that was true. They lived in a patriarchal society that dated back even into the Old Testament, so that is that is historically accurate. Um, however, 1 Timothy 2, if we keep going, 11 through 14, um, doesn't really mention education status anywhere. In fact, if education would have been a criteria for ministry, uh, it seems the majority of Jesus' disciples uh, would have been disqualified from this. Uh, you know, again, they were fishermen by and large. Now, you had your your oddballs, right? Um, you know, you had Luke, who was a doctor, but uh, but by and large, most of his apostles, his disciples, uh, were were regular, uneducated men. A second common objection is that Paul only restricted the win- the women of Ephesus. Remember, uh, in his letters to Timothy, Timothy was in Ephesus for the majority of that time, and Ephesus certainly had its problems. So, uh, you know, this is this is certainly worth consideration. But we have to understand its proper context. Was Paul limiting only the women of Ephesus? Um, again, First Timothy was written to Timothy, who was was minister to the church in Ephesus at the time. Ephesus was known back then, and we found historical and archaeological evidence of this, that there was a temple to Artemis, and women were the authorities in that particular branch. Artemis as a goddess was, was about women empowerment and things like this. Um, so people suggest that Paul was only rejecting um, female-led Ephesian women that were inclined to serve that kind of brand of paganism and Artemis and things like this, um, that the church needed to be separate from that. But again, 1 Timothy never really addresses any of that. It doesn't mention Artemis, nor does Paul mention any of that type of paganism in, in anywhere in this. This is simply describing, you know, there is a difference between the church and the the outside context. That's true even today. However, 
we don't get any sense that, you know, Paul was kind of, based on some of the introductory material that he was giving, was kind of saying, yes, we need to be separate, but we're almost assuming that that's happening, right? I mean, that's such a step one phase that he, he he's really more saying, okay, I'm going to assume that you're already separate from the world. Now let's discuss how the church is to be ran. That's a, that's some of the, the context of the letters to Timothy. You know, a third objection that you'll sometimes hear, and I just want to, you know, kind of address these as well as we can, is that Paul was only referring to husbands and wives, right? Uh, because there is a lot of discussion about, um, you know, wives being submissive to husbands. Now, again, that verse also gets a lot of bad rap because in that, what people don't often read is that um, husbands are also called to 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 love their wives, to honor their wives, to cherish their wives, and in certain ways be submissive to the wife, right? I mean, it is it is really a two-way street. I mean, the, the, the husband is to be the head and there are there way, you know, there's supposed to be the spiritual provider and things, um, but but it really is two sides of the same coin. Uh, the wife is supposed to be equally involved in this. That's a lesson for another day. Uh, but people say that Paul was just talking about husbands and wives, not men and women in general. Um, the Greek word for, for, for wo- uh, woman and man in 1 Timothy 2 um, could be talking about husbands and wives, but the very basic meaning of that word is, is much broader than that. Really, again, it, it really is just referring to men and women. Uh, the same Greek word is used in verses 8 through 10, um, you know, are only, and this is, you know, discussing worship, are only husbands, you know, supposed to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger, uh, are only wives supposed to dress modestly, have good deeds, and worship God. Um no, no, of course not. Uh, the, our understanding of that's pretty clear, that this is talking about um, women and men in general through all of this. So we look at the context of 8 through 10, and, and we really get a broader understanding of men and women in general. So would Paul just abruptly stop when he begins to start talking about uh, women in worship and start talking about husbands and wives? I, I don't think... I don't that very very low likelihood that that's the chance that that's the case. Um, there's nothing in this context that would indicate uh, that in verses 11 through 14. Lastly, another objection to this interpretation of women in 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 full time education ministry uh, is to some degree referencing women that have led in similar positions in the past. You know, we think of Miriam, we think of Deborah in the Old Testament. Um, it's true that these women were chosen by God for special service. Uh, you know, they they demonstrated many of the same characteristics that ministers should today. You know, faith, courage, leadership. Um, but the authority of women in the Old Testament is not relevant to ministers in the current context of the New Testament. Right? The New Testament is a completely new paradigm. It's in, in kind of uh, theological terms, it is the new covenant. What that literally means is it's a new agreement, a brand new drafted agreement that when Christ came and died on the cross, he literally, and we use this sometimes to kind of uh, display this, but there's a literal element to this. He crucified the old covenant. That was the point of him coming, right? That that he was going to abolish the old and usher in this new paradigm, this new covenant for God's people, the church, the body of Christ. And that is 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 a starkly different um, endeavor than what we see in the Old Testament. Remember, Old Testament law, the, go back and read some of Leviticus, read some of Numbers, look into the Levitical law that required just so meticulous. First off, there was no 
perfect forgiveness of sins. It was it was a rollover system. They had to sacrifice animals um, to 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 that was the blood sacrifice. But but again, none of that was perfect. So Christ came to abolish all of that to 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 kind of get rid of the priestess the priesthood system and God's and He's now saying you're going to be able if you're if you're a child of mine you're now going to interact with the Father directly. We're able to read the Word directly. We're able to pray directly. We're able to have forgiveness of sins. Um, so so the New Testament is um, is a completely new system. So just because we see evidence of one thing in the Old Testament, it really has no 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 uh, authority and certainly no influence on what's happening in the new. Um, you know, again, all the Old Testament entities, the the nation of Israel, things like that. That was the old covenant. Now we're in the new. You know, we see examples of women serving distinguished uh, distinguished service in the New Testament. You think of Priscilla. You think of I already mentioned Phoebe in Acts eighteen. Um, you know, they are Priscilla and Aquila are, are mentioned as faithful ministers of Christ in eighteen. Priscilla's name is mentioned first, and some people would suggest that that means that she was more prominent in ministry than her husband. Uh, I think that that detail in terms of who comes first is is really more than likely inconsequential because verse two and verse twenty six the order is reversed from eighteen. So we see both examples. Um, did Priscilla and her husband teach the gospel to Apollos? Absolutely. We have evidence of that. Um, they explained to him the gospel more adequately in Acts 18.26. Does the Bible ever say that Priscilla um, taught in a church setting or, or taught publicly or became the leader of a congregation of people? No. As far as we know, Priscilla was not involved in any active ministry that would have contradicted 1 Timothy 2. Right, As far as we know it, uh, Priscilla and Aquila taught Apollos in their home. Um, that's and you know that's not a public. And again, this is kind of where some of the interpretation of where do we draw the line, and I get that, but we don't get any indication that that was a public thing. Um, we see very much that it seems like the wife was supporting her husband in a minist- in, in teaching ministry, and that's and that's the way it's presented. You know, the structure that we see of of um, you know First Timothy chapter two. Uh, and starting in eleven fourteen, makes the reason why women cannot be ministers, you know, I, th- I think pretty clear. Verse thirteen begins with four, giving the cause of Paul's statement in eleven through twelve. Why should women not teach or have authority over men? Because Adam was created first, then Eve was created. Adam was not the one who was deceived. The woman was deceived. Um, God created Adam first, then created Eve to be the helper. This is the order of creation. Again, please don't get bogged down in thinking that this is somehow um, saying that that women are less, right? But it is different. But this is the order that God created things. The order of creation has a universal application for our families. If we look in Ephesians 5, this is the way the, the family is, is supposed to be structured. Um, you know, and, and again, we could look at a lot of reasons as to why this could be. Uh, you know, and again, I, I want to make this abundantly clear. Many women excel, excel in gifts, um, it, in spiritual gifts that we see listed in Scripture. We see hospitality, we see mercy, we see teaching, we see evangelism, service, um, much of. And, and I've been a full-time minister for close to 10 years. I'm going to say that the lion's share, the majority of ministries that happen in any local congregation, and certainly the one I serve in here now um, in South Carolina, women are involved in every part of ministry, just about. Um, 
ministry of the local church, it depends on women. Women in the church are not rest- not um, restricted. Um, you know, th- there are many things that they are to, you know, called and, and able to do, right? Um, but when we begin to see about teaching in a public setting, this is this is one of the areas where we draw the line. Does that make it any less? I don't think so. I think it makes it different, and that's the way God had planned it from the very beginning. We see that we don't see any example of women uh, being told to limit their spiritual gifts. In fact, Scripture says for us all to be utilizing the gifts that we're given. We're called to minister to others. Galatians 5 tells us to, to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit, to proclaim the gospel to the lost. You know, Matthew 28 talks about this, Acts 1, 1 Peter 3. Um, but God has set aside men to be the, the primary education vehicle for the majority. Now, again, that, does that mean that women can't teach at all? Absolutely not. Um, I know some amazing women speakers, that, that, and that's the reason we have uh, ladies' days, ladies' conferences. Um, we, we have women that, that basically keep our children's education program going. Right, I mean, so they're instrumental in the 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 teaching of the next generation, um, but God did design the church to function in a certain way. Men are to set the, the example in leadership through their lives, through their words. Um, women are encouraged to teach other women in Titus two three through five. The Bible doesn't restrict women from teaching our children. The only activity that women are restricted from is teaching or having authority over men, and this this does prohibit them from being. Um, public education minister. So um, again, people call them different things, but pulpit minister, um, associate minister, you know, there, there's a lot of different examples. But if it involves public teaching, this is going to preclude a woman from doing this. It doesn't make them less important, uh, but it does give their ministry a different focus. We're so thankful you joined us today. If you haven't already, make sure you like and subscribe to The Curious Christian on all your favorite podcasting sites so that you don't miss an episode. If you want to find out more information, more resources, head on over to CuriousChristian.net where we have all of our resources together, video content, podcasting content, and the like. We hope that you'll join us on our next episode. And in the meantime, stay curious.